Hi, I'm Clara, and welcome to the Practice with Clara podcast, where we dive into philosophy and all things yoga related, which has been my passion for the last 20 years. In today's podcast, we go into mantras, also known as affirmations, what they are, their benefits, and how to do them. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, and I hope you enjoy today's. See you soon. All right, welcome. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining Clara and I for the Practice with Clara podcast. Uh, today is all things related to yoga and business. With our theme of expression this week, we thought we'd start with mantra, with Clara leading some mantra um, in mudra. Yeah. So good morning. Um, we are going to talk a lot about mantra today, so we thought we might as well start with a bit of mantra and a little bit of meditation. So what I'd love us to do is, uh, when, if you're going to join us for this, you're going to take chin mudra, so index and thumb come together, palms facing up into your, uh, into your lap. I'm just bringing it up here so you can see it. And then it would come down into your lap here. So uh, chin mudra or jnana mudra, right? The uh, index finger represents uh, our ego or who we think we are, and the thumb represents the divine. So the divine and uh, the ego come together to create a union. So that big S self and little S self come together. So we bring those two together onto our uh, thighs. And then close your eyes if you're going to join me and sit up nice and tall wherever you are. And if closing your eyes ever feels uncomfortable, you can always just keep your eyes open, no problem. It's officially 11 o'clock. That's the clock that tells us it's 11, no problem. It's kind of a nice ring, hey? So finding that nice tall seat, you just go with the flow, that's how it goes. Um, so we're going to chant to Saraswati. We talked a little bit about her on Monday. And Saraswati is the goddess of, uh, the muse of creation, as I usually call her. She's the goddess of wisdom, the goddess of knowledge, speech, inspiration. And so the bija, the seed mantra for, for uh, Saraswati is Om Shreem Hrim Saraswati Ye Namaha. And Shreem and Hrim are bija, they're seed mantras. They don't mean anything. They're quite simply a sound to invoke the knowledge, the wisdom, the inspiration in us. Saraswati Ye is the goddess that we're invoking. And how I think about this is an, as an archetype, an aspect of ourselves that we're trying to bring in. And Namaha, like Namaste or Namaskar, represents may I recognize and honor thee. So I'm just going to begin chanting and you can either join along with me or just quite simply receive and I'm going to chant it 21 times and come in if you'd like or again just sit and receive. Om Shreem Hreem Saraswati Namaha Om Shreem Hreem Saraswati Namaha Om Hreem Shreem Saraswati Namaha Om Hreem Shreem Saraswati Namaha Steph, I think I'll just do it on my own because we've got a little bit of a delay. Got you. Yeah, so it's sounding a little bit funny. So no problem. We'll just I'll just keep going. But you can mouth it if you'd like just because <laughs> of the delay. Thank you. I'm going to keep going. Om Hreem Shreem Saraswati Namaha Om Hreem Shreem Saraswati Namaha 
Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Last one Om Hrim Shrim Saraswatiye Namaha Om So to the knowledge that lives within us to the inspiration Deep breath in the nose. Exhale it out the mouth. And it feels like the right time, so we open your eyes. Thanks for going with the flow on that. Yeah, I could kind of hear it. So, yeah. 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 Cool. That's a great segue into our question that came up last week around mantra. So we saved this from our Friday AMA question. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Great. I'm interested in learning more about your recommendations for learning more in depth about pranayama and chanting. Would love to feel confident in teaching someday, but understanding the philosophy and meanings is important to me. Also curious about your perspective on offering Sanskrit throughout your classes. I've heard some schools, some schools of yoga in the West recommend to not do, use Sanskrit names for poses in beginner classes. What are your thoughts? Okay, so let's start with the first one. That was like mm -hmm. five questions in one. Uh, yeah. for, so the first question being um, pranayama and mantra, where to learn it, how to offer it, when, when to offer it. One of my favorite books for pranayama would be Light on Pranayama by good old BKS Iyengar. And that has all of the pranayama practices, or a lot of the pranayama practices that we do nowadays are in that book, the reason why, how to do them. The biggest thing I would do or recommend for offering pranayama in class is to embody it, embody all of it, same with the mantra, before you offer it. So if a pranayama is new to you, I'd really recommend putting it into your own practice for at least six months to a year. So that way you really understand it, you understand what's happening around it, and then that way you're offering it from a place of, of, of fully lived in pranayama versus, oh, cool, I read this in the book, let's try it out. <laughs> so light on pranayama, I also would recommend uh, if you haven't already taken Kundalini Yoga, there's a ton of pranayama in there. So finding a teacher that you either online or in, in, your, in your local vicinity to uh, to practice kundalini they do a ton of pranayama and a lot of different kind of pranayams and again that would be a great way to learn and you could also ask questions to the teacher that's the downside to reading books is you can't ask questions to the teacher and we learn so much from asking questions so those would be two places that i would recommend and regardless of whether or not you're a teacher but you'd like to do more pranayama those would be two um, 
I would I would get that book as a practitioner even if I wasn't a teacher. And then in terms of mantra, there's so much mantra on the internet. So you could go that way. Like if you Google, if you like, like we did today, if you wanted to learn more about Saraswati, type in Saraswati mantra and see what's out there. There's a ton of YouTube videos of people singing different variations of each mantra. And so same idea. I would learn that mantra from the YouTube, right? And then I would practice it in my own meditation for at least six months to a year, fully embodying it before I offer it to my community. And uh, there are other... An, a great online resource is a woman named Menorah, and I'll post this on the Facebook page of her. She's the only mantra teacher that I know who actually offers it online, and so I'll put it. I'll put her website on there in terms of of um, of mantra. You can also do mantra with like if you if you've ever heard of the Bhakti Breakfast Club. If anybody wants to learn mantra, you could go to the Bhakti Breakfast Club. They teach you a how to play harmonium, but they also teach a lot about how to. Uh, pronounce and sing each mantra. So that would be another great resource for it. And then the other place to learn mantra would be uh, from CDs like Jayutal or Deva Pramal or any of those uh, wonderful kirtan singers and just sing along with it. And again, you want to definitely embody it before you offer it to your to your community. So those would be two those would be a, quite a few resources, and again, I'll post them on the Facebook page of where you can check out and learn more about mantra and pranayam. And Clara, you have a ton of mantra on the Practice with Clara site. There's at least, I don't know, half a dozen different mantras to do for each of the deities. Yes. So, uh, yes, thank you for that. Yeah, like <laughs> so I forgot. The, I totally did. I totally did. So thank you for bringing it back, uh, uh, bringing it, anchoring it in here. So on the Practice with Clara uh, website, we have, yeah, I think we have about nine mantras on there right now. Mm -hmm. And how I'm offering them is essentially either I'm in class and I'm recording it or there's a, a community of people that I, I do mantra with. And so we recorded those so that you could either chant along with us or you could uh, quite simply listen to it while you're doing meditation, which is another way that I really recommend working with mantra is allowing it to be playing in the background if you don't want to be singing and allowing it to uh, um, how I imagine it is that the wave of mantra when I'm in meditation is kind of washing over me and so that would be a great way to anchor your meditation especially if you feel like your mind is kind of going everywhere and you're uncomfortable doing mantra just listen to it it's as beneficial to actually just be in the sound waves to yeah. hear it as it is to chant it so those would be, that would be another one. Yeah, so we have quite a few deities on there in terms of mantras. And then we have a couple other like Gayatri and a couple of classic ones. I love mantra. So I feel yeah. like it's been a large part of my practice for so long. So I'm so happy to be sharing it. And that kind of goes into a question I had for you, Clara. And if you, because uh, I felt this way in the beginning with my teaching, if you feel kind of uh, maybe insecure is a little strong, but classes where I didn't know if students were going to join me, and then they didn't join me. So it's just you sitting there holding it down, chanting alone. And when I asked you about this, you said, great, keep going. People need it, even if they're not participating. So perhaps speak a little bit to that comment, just for the teachers who you go in, you hope the one or two people you know will get into it with you. But if they don't, keep going. So... Uh that kind of brings in I, um, all of my first teachers in New York City all chanted. We chanted for 20 minutes at the beginning of every single class. That was like a totally normal way of starting practice where I'm from. And so um, and what 
was so interesting about it is they all had very different quality of voices, but just by quite, quite simply starting with that and then for us to all sing together was like mm -hmm. such a, uh, such an inspiration for me. And so when I moved uh, or, and I, but I was always kind of scared to offer mantra in class because I don't have a great voice. Like I'm not a singer. I'm not, uh, you know, I have an okay voice, but, uh, but offering the mantra, I felt like in my classes when I felt like I was ready to do it, really not only anchored the class, but anchored me. So I felt like it was actually a great way for me to kind of arrive in teaching, especially if I'd kind of rush there from another place or whatever. It's nice to kind of the mantra not only brings them to you, meaning the students, but it also brings you to yourself. Mm. And so the biggest thing is that you've got to be brave. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes I've, I remember definitely a couple times chanting and I'm like totally off key and I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, like the intention is there, but today the key is not and that's okay. And uh, hopefully it gives inspiration to other people that you don't have to be a singer to chant. Chanting is such a beautiful and important part of uh, I find the yoga practice. And I remember one of my teachers saying so beautifully, like we all used to sing in community. It was actually something that we, we did you know, in, uh, in more primitive, quote unquote, primitive times. And now instead of singing together, we actually go to concerts and we pay somebody who yeah. stands on a stage or community people stand on stage and we watch them sing instead of us singing with them. So one of the thing, one of the aspects of, or one of the benefits of chanting together is for us to remember our voices and for us to be together yeah. and to feel that vibration. Like we know, we know that when we hear particular music that moves us, we, you know, we, we, uh, it changes the way that we feel. And so that's the same idea with mantra. So my, my advice to you, if you're thinking about it is start simple with the mantra that you're going to offer in class. Maybe it's just 15 ohms or 21 ohms, or maybe it's just bija mantras like om, I'm, Hrim, shrim or something like that. And then again, you would just let them know it doesn't mean anything. So especially if people are new to Sanskrit or are a little bit hesitant to chant in a language that's not theirs. Um, you could chant Bija mantras or you could chant in English. You know, there's the Kundalini mantra, may the long time light shine upon you. That's a beautiful one to chant with people. Or you could just chant peace, the word peace or Shanti. So keep it simple at first so that you can feel confident in what you're offering and also for your students to get comfortable with what, what you're offering. And then as they get more comfortable, you kind of take them further and further. But you definitely have to I feel like it's like jumping off a cliff a little bit. You're yeah. like, oh, let's see what happens, <laughs> you know? And if people join you, great. And if not, that's okay too. So you got to be also like strong within yourself that day to be like, yes, I can hold the space by myself. What I've done in the past as well for newer teachers is when a friend of yours comes to class, yes. like a good friend, throw it in there. Even if you didn't plan on it if you see them be like yo I'm gonna try this mantra are you in it with me I've done that so many times just so you know you have one voice and it's a little bit for me at least it's wonderful when teachers who have a really resonant voice and they can mm -hmm. sing I like receiving that style of mantra because I mm -hmm. can't sing so I'm like I'm just gonna step back and listen to you the chanting without the singing, I feel more inclined to join because I don't feel the pressure of A, having a really beautiful voice and B, breaking up their resonance. If someone has a really wonderful voice, I'm like, I'm just going to let you do you because I won't be able to join your harmony. So both so, work. 
Yeah, and so what Steph's bringing up is there's two ways of offering mantra. And so just so that we're, we're one way is with melody. And so if you ever listen to like Deva Pramal or Jayutal or anybody like that, they usually have a melody that's going over it, like the mm-hmm. notes, like the sound, the sounds themselves kind of go up and down like a wave, where the other way of doing it, which we kind of did today, is more of like a metronome. The, the, uh, the notes are the same. And as Steph said, it's actually a lot easier for people to chant that way than to sing it. Yeah. Okay, because singing it means we go up and then we come down and we go up. But mantra is na 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 na. It has that kind of almost like metronome quality to it. So uh, I recommend that as well. And I do that more often than not because I don't have a very like I don't have a singing voice. I I have a voice. So um, so I find that that is a little bit more uh, resonant. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And men join when you go low is also what I've perceived. And then a male voice adds a different deep baritone versus when you have lots of women so i will try and go a little lower when i know i have more men in the room so they will come in and feel comfortable as opposed to if you're really high and they don't feel confident coming in with you no they're like i can't hit that note yeah (laughs) yeah great i I felt like there's more to this question but now are you gonna check it okay yeah i'm like i'm gonna check in with where we're at in this thank you So the other part in this is uh, Sanskrit in classes, about providing Sanskrit in the classes and especially for beginners in including the Sanskrit names. And what are your thoughts around that? My thoughts around including Sanskrit in class are thus, if if you give the Sanskrit name of a pose, please also always give it in English, no matter what class you're in. And the reason being is it empowers people to learn what you're saying, and it also doesn't leave anybody behind, because if you don't know the Sanskrit, and they just say it in Sanskrit, and you're like, what pose is that? And you're looking around, it takes you out of your practice, and it doesn't empower people to feel like they know what's going on. So Sanskrit's great, I'm into it if you're into it, Um, but the biggest thing that I would say for that is just make sure that everybody, that you're saying it in English so that everybody's included, so if you don't know Sanskrit, you might be learning it while you're there. One piece I'll say about bringing Sanskrit in, uh, I've gone to different countries, like Berlin, where the classes that were taught were all in German, but I was able to follow along in the classes where the teachers were cueing Sanskrit because everyone knows those poses. So just something to be aware of, and I feel especially here in Vancouver, it's so multicultural where I teach. There's many different people that arrive from different backgrounds. So if you are providing Sanskrit, it does give that touchstone if you're coming from different parts of the world. Yeah. And also the names that we have in English, depending upon the lineage, are so different. Totally. Yin, the yin poses, like deer pose the first time, or fire log pose. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. Yeah. But then you see them doing it, you're like, oh, double pigeon, got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that wraps up the question around mantra. Um, Clara, I wanted to talk to you in where you discovered mantra, where you put it in your classes, like are you doing at the beginning, midway, end, how you're anchoring the room with the mantra and including the theming. And then this, again, is a very big question, and we'll we'll touch touch on it as we go, I can remind how the culture shifts depending on where you are in the world. So what schools, what lineages are teaching mantra, what aren't? Because I feel like in Vancouver, there isn't a strong presence of mantra. There's a couple teachers I go to who every time there's mantra in, sometimes or never. There's just never the voice that comes into the class, which is fine, but it's interesting to me that 
certain teachers really this is their anchor and others just weren't taught or aren't interested. So mantra, I find, uh, depending upon the lineage, always either is included or not included. And so uh, one thing that Steph is bringing up is in Vancouver, specifically, a lot of the lineages that are taught here don't have mantra as part of their uh, part of their practice. Uh, again, what I was saying in terms of my first teachers in New York City uh, was at a studio called Jivamukti and then another studio called uh, Laughing Lotus and Sonic Yoga. And all three of those are vinyasa-based studios. And all of them have mantra at the beginning of every single class, it's what they do. It's again about 20 minutes of mantra at the beginning. So again, I this is the background that I come from. So when I moved to Vancouver, I found, whoa, a lot of people don't chant here just because based on the lineage, like if you study with Baron Baptiste, you do power yoga, they don't do mantra, right? Or um, other styles like yin doesn't do mantra. So always always offer what is authentic to you would be the number one thing that I would say. And then as students always do what feels authentic to you. So if it doesn't feel authentic to you and someone is chanting at the beginning of class, just sit and receive again, it's as beneficial as doing it. So there's never any pressure to do anything that's, that's being offered. Just a sweet little reminder. So, um, when I offer mantra, it's generally at the beginning of class to anchor the class. But then that being said, I have a couple of practices I do. There's a, a chakra practice that I like to do where we do the bija, the seed mantras for all seven of the chakras. And we do that. And Steph, you've definitely been in that class. We do that through the whole entire class. So I'll start at the beginning. We'll do 108 of the bijas, the lam, bam, ram, yam, hum, um, om, silence and we'll do that 108 times so people get the mantra and then throughout the practice I get them to do it in every single pose which really changes the way that you practice so homework if you've never done it before is try chanting while you're in a pose it really changes the pose and it changes the mantra which is so fascinating and so fun to play with so the other way is that I would sometimes anchor it at the back of the class, like just before we're leaving is kind of like a last hurrah before we leave. And so sometimes I'll bring back the mantra that I did at the beginning of class or other times I wouldn't have had mantra at the beginning and I close it at the end just to kind of like, it's the little tie, the little bow on the gift before people go back out into their lives. So I think mantra can go anywhere. Just being mindful, one of the biggest things, I didn't say this earlier, is like the effect of the mantra on the body. And so if it's a very, uh, it's, it's a very energizing mantra, like just knowing when you're offering that uh, in the daytime or the nighttime, same idea of those of us who are just practitioners, if you're bringing mantra into your life, just recognizing the vibrational quality it has on your body, because if it does energize you and it's 9 p.m. at night, you might not want to be uh, doing an energizing mantra you might be wanting doing something that's a lot more shanti a lot more peace and so uh i think i got through all of that did i get through all of it you did and okay. i have one more i have one more great yes yeah uh you once said to me that it and this touches a little bit on the question around uh embodying the words and understanding the meaning and the philosophy but you once said to me that it didn't matter if you got all the words right and if you didn't uh yeah, as if you're going, you're getting the words wrong. The pronunciation doesn't matter. It's more about the sound and the vibration. So, okay. yeah, speak to this a little bit. So I'm getting a little controversial right now. So bear with me, everybody who's, who's listening. <laughs> so one of the biggest things about Sanskrit, the language that we usually chant in, which is uh, one of the oldest languages in the world, it's from India, Sanskrit, as we've been talking about, it is uh, based on a vibrational quality. So 
they say that when the language was created, they thought about how vibration affects the body. So particular mantras are almost like a recipe to create a vibrational quality in your body and mind through it. So one of the biggest things that uh, a lot of purists say about Sanskrit is that it's really important, the pronunciation, because you're creating a particular recipe. Like think of it like baking a cake. If you put too much flour in or not enough water or whatever, right, the cake is not going to come out the, the right way. And so uh, for the purist, the same idea with the, with the Sanskrit is that if you don't if you don't chant it in the right in the, with the right pronunciation, then you're not making the right kind of cake. And I understand that. And intention is everything. And this is the school of thought that my teachers come from: is if your intention is pure, it actually doesn't even matter what you're saying, right? You're just putting pure intention into the sounds that you're going to make a wonderful cake. So good to learn the pronunciation, especially if you're going to be teaching it. Very important. But that being said, there comes a moment in time where the intention is more important than the product. Yeah. Right. So if I if if I'm chanting from a place inside of my heart to invoke a particular archetype, if I don't get the words right, it's okay. Yeah. You're not, as my one of my teachers say, you're not going to get struck down by God because you had the wrong pronunciation. <laughs> if you're chanting to God or finding the divinity within you, you're going to find it regardless of whether or not you're like or Om Mani Padme Hum. You know, like yeah. intention is all. It also takes the pressure off when you're learning or if you're anxious, if you're not so worried, like focused on the precision to just get in it because what i can say about doing mantra is the first i don't know 10 cycles can be really messy but then as you find your own rhythm and if you're with a group land in with the group all of a sudden things just start to flow but like anything you start off with it can be really messy and confusing and instead of getting so hung up on i'm not doing this right it's like just keep going and see what comes up as you're moving through it because so much changes sitting in mantra especially in a group just because that everyone's in it together it feels like an entire like cycle sometimes goes past and you're like man it's still thursday morning at seven i like i thought it was next year where did we go and so you're bringing up a great point that I wanted, a question that I actually wanted to ask you, Steph. So generally when I when we chant together, when I offer mantra, I like to do it in a circle or very, very close to the center of the room so we can hear each other. And then generally we do it for 108 times, yeah. which can last between 20 to 45 minutes, depending upon how long the mantra is. And so um, I'm, I wanted to ask Steph, because you're in class often, and you've done this with me also in training, is what is your experience of doing it 108 times and also doing it when we're really close together versus when we're on our, on our own mats? I love being in the circle sitting together because you can feel the vibration. It's more concentrated when you gather into a space. And Clara, you often will say, come off your mats and come gather in words. So you have that little point and it's different depending on the mantra and the intention what comes up like there's sometimes i'll get really angry and my scalp will start to itch when i get angry and my whole body is like itchy and i'm mad and it feels like something's coming out mm. other times i can just get in it and you're, it just feels very melodic and supportive and loving but it's exactly what you said and what your intention is as the teacher like you've offered ones around agni swara fire and 
purging. So then that intention is the group what you're building is very different than chanting, you know, peace, 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 shanti, shanti, om. That has a lightness to it. The other one you do that I, I love that you could perhaps speak to the energy that is created there is when we hold hands and you it's the visualization in mm-hmm. holding hands in circle. I don't know if that's mantra though. We don't do usually do mantra. mantra. We, we don't, but we usually okay. do like left hand up, right hand down. We're sitting in a circle and the idea is to feel the current of energy kind of moving right. through each other. So it's going up one arm through the heart, down the other arm. And then we literally are imagining that the um that the energy is moving through us and so as a as a community and so that's just another way of uh, another way another kriya of bringing us together a way of purifying and also a way of connecting and realizing that we are more than these physical bodies that we are also these energy bodies right um and the quantum physics uh quantum physics has proven it but yogis already knew it right everything in the universe vibrates with energy right yeah. and in in yoga we call this shakti right or we call this prana depending right and it's always vibrating it's vibrating inside of us and around us and so one of the uh ways to kind of pull us out of our egos is to remember the larger picture which is the fact that we're all just energy and so to not only feel our own energy because we can get so wrapped up in in who we think we are and like what's happening like the bug's eye view as i like to talk about uh, right, that story I, I told a couple of weeks back, right? And so it gives us the bird's eye view. It takes us out and kind of reminds us that we're all in this together. And that's the idea also of doing mantra together is to hear each other's voices. So it's not only your voice, it's the group coming together. And the idea of the group coming together, and I'm excited to, when we finally come back into physical group in the <laughs> world, right, is to uh, to be swept up in the energy of the group. So you all of a sudden, you know, what may have been like bothering you or taking you down, hopefully kind of you you get pulled out of it and you're like, cool, that's happening. But also all these other amazing things are happening. And I find especially again, what's happening in this, in this time of COVID is like, we are, we have more of a bug's eye view, I find, because like you, you you know, we're literally only seeing what's in front of us uh, because we're not able to connect and touch and feel and be with each other. So uh, I'm looking forward to when we're able to touch and chant and sing and do yoga together uh, in the physical world. And we can still come together even with the social distancing and sit in a two meters or two feet away, right? And chant. That's great. Outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, just to kind of close it up in terms of the mantra is mantras don't have to be in Sanskrit and they don't have to be quote unquote spiritual affirmations are also mantras. So that's another one that you could explore chanting in your own practice, right? I am enough. I am enough. I am enough or whatever mantra or affirmation you're working with, right? Mantra, just to break it down, I didn't do it earlier, but is manas and tra and manas is mind and tra is instrument. Mm -hmm. So mantra is an instrument of the mind. And so why we use affirmations or mantras is to give the mind something to do, right? So it gets focused on that. And then Generally, when you have that happen, that focus happen, you're actually able to pull back and see the larger picture, which again gives us perspective, gives us a way of grounding, gives us a way of not feeling. So especially if you're feeling overwhelmed, mantra is a great one to do um, to help with that overwhelmness is affirmation or mantra. Work on that. And then you'll notice that as you do that, the anxiety or or the uh, preoccupation generally starts to uh, dissipate. So I 
would like yeah i can't say enough, i can't say enough about mantra but again it doesn't have to be in english it doesn't and it doesn't even have to be words it can just be a sound yeah. ah, ah. and you just work on that one sound but again it's just give the mind something to do so that hopefully you oh it's 11 30. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so hopefully what that does is it uh, it gives you a little bit of space and reprieve from maybe what is preoccupying you that's a great place to end. Thank you so much, Clara, for all this insight. I learned, as I usually do with you, but so much in this talk. Thank you so much for, yeah. uh, for uh, thank you to whoever wrote the question on the Facebook mm -hmm. page. We really appreciate it. Everybody who's joining and giving us love here at the bottom is wonderful. I love that someone says this is what happens when they say their rosary, right? It's the same idea, it, it is. The rosary is mantra or doing the Buddhist beads. It's the same idea, repetition, repetition, right? And it really helps to focus the mind. So this ends uh, today's talk. Our last one is um, Friday at 11 a.m., same as, as today. And then again, it's AMA, so Ask Me Anything. So if you haven't already joined our Facebook group, it's the Practice with Clara Community Facebook page. Woo, that was hard to say today. <laughs> and um, you can join us. At the, there's a link on my bio. And then post anything you want, meaning questions or insights we love. We really want to keep the conversation going just because we are still isolated. That we, This is a kind of a, we've created this place for us to be together. So feel free to share anything you want, insights in terms of what we share today or insights that you've had in your own practice. And then any questions that you have, the AMA on Friday will be based on everything that you guys post there. So, uh, so don't be a stranger. And uh, thank you, Steph, for always holding thank the space you. with me and making the time and everybody who joined us. And we'll, we'll see you on Friday. Peace thank and you. bless. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Practice with Clara app. That's mine. I've created almost 100 yoga classes for you to do at home or on the go. And they're available to you on your favorite device, including mobile, desktop, and TV. These classes include vinyasa, slow flow, hatha, restorative, yin, mantra, meditation. I also just had a baby, so I created prenatal yoga for all four trimesters. So head over to clararobertsoss.com slash join to learn more. Or search for the Practice with Clara app at your favorite app store. There's a seven-day free trial, so no commitment. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We've got lots of good stuff in store for you. Until next time, namaste.